Well, welcome, Summit family. This weekend, we're talking about the power of asking. And by the way, we want to say welcome to all of our friends around the country who watch our program on live stream. So let's talk about the power of asking. Your life and mine is all about choices. From the moment you left home, life is all about choices you make. Choices have consequences. I can choose to do anything I want, but I don't get to choose the consequences. That means you are today what you chose to be yesterday, and you'll be tomorrow what you have chosen to be today. Every great event in your life is the byproduct of choices. You know, the Bible is saturated with wisdom from God, wisdom from God to man concerning success for every area of our life. It's hope for tomorrow. It's guidance for today. It's freedom from the fear of the future. It's freedom from the guilt of the past. God's Word breaks the shackles of misery and habit and sets the captives free. Listen to Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 and 8. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it shall be opened. Now let's think about that. Ask, and it shall be given to you. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 11, it says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give you good things to those that join the church? No. To those that sing in the choir? No. To those that don't smoke? No. That become deacons, elders, and leaders? No. How much more will God give good things to those who ask Him? Matthew 18, verse 19 says, If two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything you ask, it shall be done for them by my Father which is in heaven. Matthew 21, verse 22, And all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. I hope you're hearing that word ask. 1 John 5, verse 14, And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything of Him according to His will, He will hear us. In Matthew 7, verse 8, for everyone who asks receives. You know, when the founding fathers of our nation gathered in Pennsylvania to draft the documents that would create the basis of the United States of America, they recognized they did not have the wisdom to do that within themselves. And there were some pretty brilliant men in that room. So they did what intelligent men do. They prayed, and they asked God to give divine guidance for the structure of this new republic that would become known as the United States of America. You know, if you could ask Jesus himself in person on this stage, what would you ask him? Do you need healing for your body? Ask him. Do you need restoration for a broken marriage? Ask him. Do you need your business to experience a financial breakthrough? 
Well, come on, ask. Do you want your grown children to come to Jesus Christ? Ask. Would you like for God to send a godly spouse that would fill your life with joy and happiness? Oh, yeah. Well, ask. Do you need hope for tomorrow? Ask. Do you need mountains of impossibilities to be moved into the sea? Ask. See, all of this and much, much more is available if you will simply ask and receive. Now, I've heard people many times say, when is God going to do something for me? Please understand, it is your initiative, not God's. God said, whatever you ask in prayer, I will do it. Whatsoever you bind on earth, I will bind in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth, I'll loose in heaven. So God does nothing until you ask him. As powerful and almighty as God is, he can do nothing for you until you start praying. That's what prayer is. It's the most powerful weapon you'll ever wield in this life. See, asking is not an option. If you don't ask, you get nothing. Now, think about it in the secular world. Asking is the world's most powerful and neglected secret to success, to success in business, personal growth, and development. Uh, many of you are perhaps holding yourself back because you're afraid to ask for help or ask for guidance, or ask for assistance. You simply don't ask. Why? Well, because you're afraid of rejection. You're afraid of hearing someone say no. Maybe it's your pride. See, no is not no. No is just something someone uses until they're fully persuaded you're right. You are denying yourself the opportunity for advancement by not asking. And not asking is a guaranteed no. You know, at least asking gives you an opportunity of getting a yes for crying out loud. So don't reject yourself. Come on, take the risk. Ask for what you need. Ask for what you want. And keep on asking. See, ask for a better table. Ask for the raise. Ask for an upgrade at a hotel with an ocean view. Ask for the prettiest girl in school to date you. If you don't ask, it's not going to happen. You know, some of you singles who won't ask the prettiest girl for a date or out for coffee, and, and some of you ladies who won't ask a good man with career security but's too shy to ask you out, have what you asked for. Absolutely nothing. You know, James 4 verse 2 says, you have not because you ask not. Even God operates by that principle. Asking is imperative. I remember when I attended seminary, I needed a part-time job. And it's hard to get a part-time job because people have very few of those available. They want full-time. And I went all over the city asking for jobs. I went to 27 companies in two days, and every single one of them said no. They were already taken. The next day in class, I told a guy how many calls I had made just looking for a part-time job and had been turned down because they were already taken. And Mr. Sparky told me he was waiting on God to supply a job for him. Well, 
He never got a call and never got a job and was out of school. That very evening that I had just spoken to him, I got a call from Sears Roebuck who had turned me down the day before. But a guy had quit who worked on the loading dock, and his job was mine if I wanted it. I said yes and went to work that day, and I stayed there for two years of graduate school. I asked, and I asked, and I asked, and I finally received. Now, there's a couple of principles to know for asking. Number one, ask as if you expect to get it. Ask from the position you've already received it. That's called faith in the Bible. Second, ask somebody with the authority to give it to you. Who's going to be the decision maker for what you want or for what you're selling? Find out first who is empowered to make the decision for the request you're asking. Number three, ask clearly and specifically. In the Bible, he says to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Give us is who. This day is when. Bread is what. Be specific. Well, Rick, I need more money. Okay, here's a quarter. Is that going to change your life? I don't think so. So be specific. And number four, don't be afraid to ask repeatedly. You might need to ask on a better day or when a person is under less stress or is in a better mood. I don't know about you, but I have different moods. Or ask when you have better information. You know, Herbert True is a marketing specialist at Notre Dame University, and he discovered the following statistics, that 94% of all salespeople quit after the fourth call and that 60% of all sales are made after the fourth call. Think of it this way. 94% of all salespeople did not give themselves a chance to win 60% of the pie because they got tired of asking. So ask, ask. I am telling you that when you decide what you want, ask for it and keep on asking for it. I remember us as parents, and I bet many of you parents, years ago said to your child, absolutely no dog will ever live in this house. But that child kept asking and asking, and maybe for two or three years. And today, you've got a kennel in your home. Why? Because your child's persistence to keep on asking made it happen. Don't be afraid to ask. Learn what I call the SW, SW, SW formula. Well, what's that, Rick? Some will, some won't, so what? If you ask and you get turned down, reject rejection. If someone has rejected you and you're a child of God, it's going to turn out for your betterment. When Alexander Graham Bell offered the rights to his telephone to Carl Orton, who was president of Western Union, Orton said, what use would this company have for an electronic toy? He rejected owning all the telephones in the world for a hundred thousand bucks. 
So when something in your life gets rejected, recognize that God has something so good for you on the other side of that rejection you can't possibly imagine. So ask. Now notice, God has absolute willingness to answer your prayers. You've got to know that. Proverbs 15, verse 8 says, the prayer of the upright is God's delight. That means God claps his hands with joy when his children gather to pray. Why? Because God is powerless to do anything until you ask him. In the Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 14, he says, let me hear your voice. See, God's waiting to hear from you. And if the only time God can hear from some of you is when you get in trouble, you're going to be in trouble most of the time because God wants to hear from you. As powerful as God is, he cannot answer prayer until you ask. He can conquer sickness and disease when you ask. He can move mountains of impossibilities when you ask. He can shatter the shackles of misery and habit when you do ask. He can bind what you bind. He can loose what you loose. See, his ear is not deaf and his arm is not shortened. He has the power to do exactly what you need him to do in your life. He is Jehovah Jireh, your provider. He is Jehovah Shammah, the God who is there. He is ready and mighty to perform acts of greatness, to demonstrate it to you and for you. Conditions. Let me give you some conditions for answered prayer. Number one, pray in the name and authority of Jesus. In John 14, verse 13 and 14, and whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do. Not Buddha's name, not some apostle's name, not Mary's name, not Joseph Smith's name, but the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Romans 8, verse 32 says, He, God, who did not spare his own son, Jesus, how shall he not with him, Jesus, also freely give us all things? God never gives us anything without Jesus Christ in the equation. Philippians 4, verse 19. Most of you know that. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. Now, most people stop right here. But the rest of the verse says, by Jesus Christ, or through the authority of Christ Jesus. So God will supply all your need according to his riches in glory through the authority of Jesus Christ. That's why you need to be in covenant with Jesus Christ. The name of Jesus Christ is a precious name. It's a powerful name. It's a saving name. It is a conquering name. It is the name above every name on this earth. When the smallest child or the weakest human whispers that majestic name of Jesus, every demon in hell trembles in fear. When the sick and diseased whisper that sacred name, sickness and disease disappear. Jesus is still the great physician. When the man or woman suffering from loneliness whispers the name of Jesus, the friend that sticks closer than a brother appears, and darkness is conquered, and the light of the world fills that room. 
You mention that name above every name and fear vanishes. Faith explodes. The black clouds of depression roll away. The shackles of misery and habit are broken and the chains of addiction are shattered. Jesus Christ is the mighty conqueror. You mention that name and angels fold their wings in worship. You mention that powerful name in prayer and God the Father will open the prison doors and set captives free. The lame will leap with joy. The blind will see. The deaf will hear. The powers and principalities will be bound. He will forgive the unforgivable. He will love the unlovable. He will show mercy to the merciless and give hope to the hopeless. The prophet Isaiah in chapter 9, verse 6 says, His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Amen. He's our Savior, our friend, our deliverer, our counselor, our comforter, the lion of the tribe of Judah, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Wow. Philippians 2, verse 10 says that every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Kim Jong-un in North Korea will bow his knee. The name of Rockefeller, that's a powerful name. It'll open doors of finance. The name of Einstein will open doors of science. The name of Beethoven will open the doors of music. Ah, but the name of Jesus Christ will open the doors of heaven and shut the gates of hell. When you pray, pray in the name of Jesus. And then secondly, pray with praise and thanksgiving. And some of you don't do that. Psalms 104 says, enter into God's gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. You know, we have people show up on the last verse of a song before we preach, but we're supposed to prepare and enter before his presence with praise. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 18 says, violence shall no longer be heard in your land but you shall call your walls salvation and your gates praise. You know, in ancient days, the gates of a city kept the enemy out. But the point God is making here is that the gates of heaven open to the sounds of praise from God's people. When you begin to praise the Lord, heaven opens up its gates to receive you because only when you do, you get into the inner court. See, that's when you get in. Philippians 4 verse 6 says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. The power of praise is a weapon in spiritual warfare. Remember back in the Old Testament, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, King Jehoshaphat of Judah is terrified because there were three nations that came together to march against him. I mean, would you be upset if several hundred thousand soldiers were coming to kill you? So here was the solution. He didn't call for other kings to come. He didn't ask for any troops from allied nations. But in 2 Corinthians 20, verse 21, it says, He appointed singers unto the Lord, and they went out in front of the army, singing praises to the Lord for His mercy endures forever. And when they began to sing and praise the Lord, 
the Lord set ambushments against the enemies, and they were all killed, and not one escaped. The enemy lay dead because God's people began to praise and celebrate the glory of God. See, Judah's weapon of mass destruction in this great valley was praise. Now notice, it was a physical confrontation, one with a spiritual weapon. When you face any physical confrontation, the victory is always in the spiritual because the spiritual rules behind the physical. The things that are not seen are greater than the things that are seen. The God you cannot see and the angels you cannot see are waiting for you to speak God's Word, and they spring into action and bring you a mighty victory. You know, some of you in this room are going through a great spiritual trial. You're surrounded by enemies that seem to you overwhelming. Don't panic. Start praising the Lord for the mighty victory God is about to send your way that you cannot see with your natural eyes. See, with the weapon of praise, speak to your tormentors in Jesus' name and command them to be bound, to be defeated, to be crushed by the mighty hand of God. You know, at that time, lift up your hands and say, I praise you, God. I praise you for the victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil. I praise you for my healing, for healing my body. I praise you for returning sevenfold what Satan has stolen from me. I praise you for restoring my business. I praise you for healing my marriage or for one of my children, for restoring the love and the joy Satan has stolen from me. I praise you for giving me victory over the spirit of depression, victory over anger, victory over resentment, victory over rejection, victory over bitterness. There is victory in Jesus, and I receive it now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Folks, I'm telling you there's a miracle in your mouth. Your mouth is the focal point of spiritual warfare. Let's prove it. Psalms 34 verse 1. His praise shall continuously be in my mouth. Psalms 51 verse 1. My mouth shall show forth your praise. Psalm 71, verse 8, let my mouth be filled with your praises. Ah, but the devil operates through the mouth. In Revelation 16, verse 13 and 14, and I, John, saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet, unclean spirits like frogs. The point here is demon spirits operate through your mouth. So your mouth is the source of life and death, the source of health and sickness, the source of blessing and cursing. Be careful what you say because God and the devil are both listening. Remember, the devil cannot know what you're thinking, but he can hear what you're saying. And what comes out of your mouth can direct your life. So I want to say with my mouth what God says, not what I feel, not what someone else or the enemy is telling me. So praise is a weapon of mass destruction. Psalms 149, verse 6 through 9 says, May the high praises of God 
be in your mouth and as a double-edged sword in your hand to inflict vengeance on nations and punishment on people, to bind their kings with fetters, their nobles with shackles of iron. This is the glory of all God's saints. See, kings and nobles mentioned here refer to Satan's principalities and powers in the kingdom of darkness. Therefore, praise conquers Satan. Praise silences the enemy. When you praise the Lord, you silence the avenger. You crush his ability to perform in your family, in your business, in your home group, in your church. You have the ability to do that through praise and the power of God. Let me give you an illustration. If I were to ask everybody to shout as loud as you can, Jesus Christ is Lord. It is shattering to the enemy's ears. He cannot stand it. And yet, some of you think it's just a little ceremony at church before the main event. It is often the main event. It silences the enemy. It brings the presence of God. It breaks the shackles that are here to allow you to go free, and you don't think it's important. Okay, you can suffer then, or you can get with the program. Number three, pray without wrath and doubting. In 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 8, Paul says, I would everywhere that men pray in all places, lifting up holy hands without wrath or without doubting. Now, wrath is the sin of uncontrolled anger. Doubting is the sin of unbelief in God's Word. So how seriously does God take your not believing His Word? I often hear spiritual midgets say, I don't believe the Bible, as if that were some kind of intellectual accomplishment. And if you think you're high on God's Richter scale, listen to this verse, Revelation 21.8. But the fearful and the unbelieving, that's the doubters, and the abominable and the murderers and the whoremongers and all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire. And folks... You want to get your name off that list. You want to start looking for a way to start believing what God says. Jesus said in John 17, 17, thy word is truth. Number four, pray with the right motive. Pray with the right motive. And the right motive is for God's glory. Who said so? God's word. In John 14, verse 13. And whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And listen, folks, if what you're doing doesn't bring glory to the Son, what you're doing probably is corrupt to the core. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, it says, For all God's promises in Him, in Jesus, are yes and amen to the glory of God through us. Now, how did that how does that kind of play out in life? It means whenever God heals your body, you're to tell everybody you know what a healing Jesus he really is. When God provides for you, maybe financially or in some need, testify to every person you see with the need that God is a God who can and does provide. He makes a way where there seems to be no way. He will open doors no man can close because he is the omnipotent, almighty God, and that brings him glory. Number five, pray 
with right relationships. Pray with right relationships. Now that speaks specifically of forgiveness. Forgiveness is a new beginning. It's recognizing, the Bible says 27 times in our New Testament, forgive us as we forgive those. And it's very clear that if you won't forgive those, God won't forgive us. If you will not forgive another, God doesn't have the power to forgive you, which should be why some of you remain unforgiven to this day. Because in your own foolish way, you're going through life blaming your mother or your father or your school teacher or someone else in your life for the things that have gone wrong in your life. Now listen, they may have wronged you or hurt you, but the way out of that prison once and for all is to say, in Jesus' name, I choose to forgive them. Remember, it's an act of your will. It's not an emotion. And it's not for their betterment. It's for yours. Forgiveness allows you to walk out of the prison of despair into a new life where you are totally free from the guilt of the past and all the horrible things that have happened to you. If you want to get out of it and get over it and get past it, say in Jesus' name, I forgive you. And do it as often as it comes to your mind. You want an example? How about the cross? The Son of God is being executed And before he dies with his last breath, he doesn't say, I'll get you when I come back. He says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. If you really want to live a spiritual free life and to be happy in your mind and body, forgive everyone in your past who has offended you or hurt you. Otherwise, it will destroy you. Don't you dare let something that happened years ago continue to affect you today. It's unbiblical, it's unhealthy, and it will imprison you. Number six, the prayer must be directed by the Holy Spirit. Romans 8 verse 14, for as many as are led by the Holy Spirit, they are the sons of God. And Romans 8 verse 26 and 27, likewise, The Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, also helps in our weaknesses, for we do know not what we should pray. But the Holy Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings that can't be uttered. That means there are times you can be praying and God bypasses your mental limitation and begins to pray in the Spirit beyond your knowledge. And you can pray for things to be accomplished that you do not really mentally intellectually understand at the time. Sometimes when I don't know how to pray about something, I'll just pray in tongues. I'll just pray because the Holy Spirit prays through me and says to the Father what I cannot imagine or comprehend. And number seven, pray according to God's Word. Pray according to God's Word. Luke chapter 1 verse 38 says, be it unto me according to thy word. And 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, if we ask anything according to God's will, that's in God's word, he will hear us. So it will do you or me absolutely no good to pray for something that God's word declares he opposes because we live by the clear dictates of God's word, not the culture or the opinions of man. So when you pray, Pray for what is in God's Word, what's promised in God's Word, and God will give it to you in Jesus' name. 
Now, let me ask this question. How many of you here have a special need right now that you want the Lord to do something about? Maybe for you, maybe for your family or your business, and you want to ask him to do it right now. I'm going to ask everyone, please, bow your head just for a moment, and I'm going to lead us in a prayer, and I'm going to believe with you that God is going to give you the answer. We're going to confess any known sin. We're going to forgive others. We're going to praise and give thanks in Jesus' name. We're going to ask with a right motive. We're going to pray directed by God's Holy Spirit. We're going to pray according to the Word and will of God. And as we sit here, how many of you know exactly what you want God to do? Because that's you, with our heads bowed, everybody in this auditorium, then I'm going to ask you to join me in this prayer out loud. Just follow me. Say, in Jesus' name, I come before you today, Lord, confessing that you cleanse me of all my sin. Lord Jesus, I choose to forgive every person that has ever offended or hurt me. Now, while our heads are bowed, right now in your mind, name them. Name them right now in your mind. And just say, Father, I forgive them as you name them. Okay, now say with me, Lord Jesus, in the authority of your name, I praise you for your excellent greatness. I praise you. There is no God like you. Not in heaven above, not in earth, nor in the world beneath. You are from everlasting to everlasting. You are almighty God. You are wonderful, counselor, mighty God, and everlasting Father. I bring you glory under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And now, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I ask you. Now, with our heads bowed, you ask the Lord right now, right now in your mind, ask him for what you want. Ask him to heal your body, your marriage, to bring a financial breakthrough to your business, to, to rescue one of your children. Ask him for what your heart desires, for he will give you the desires of your heart. For everyone that asks, receives. So in faith believing, as our heads are bowed, ask. Ask in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, would you say this with me, everybody? Heavenly Father, in faith, I receive it. I receive it as done. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Lord, we praise you, and we bless your mighty name. For more information on Summit Christian Center, visit summitsa.com.